lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and we have a very, very fun one in store for you this week as we welcome on ring announcer slash commentator slash backstage correspondent slash so many other things in the pro wrestling world. One Val Capone is on the show this week. Of course, uh, if you're in the Chicago area, you definitely know Val uh, for her work with AAW, with Freelance uh, on a very, very regular basis, as well as with uh, Warrior Wrestling um, here and there, and Zello Pro. Not to mention, you know, showing up with uh, Prestige and, of course, Pro Wrestling Vibe and the Big Gay Brunch. Uh, she is all over the place uh, and very, very deservingly, honestly. Um, one of the most positive influences in the Pro Wrestling game right now and is truly a uh, professional at what she does. Um, it's just amazing to have the chance to sit down and chat with her about you know, her journey in wrestling, but so many other things. If y'all don't know Val Capone's whole, uh, story, uh, it's, it, there's a, a very, very eclectic one. Let's put it that way. Um, and there's a lot to get into with Val so much so that we didn't have time to get into everything this week, but we got, we got through a, a lot of it and a lot of good conversation, not just about, you know, working a mic on a pro wrestling show, but also uh, we got into some conversations about bi erasure and and some other, you know, pretty important topics whenever it comes to discussing uh, the LGBTQ community in the pro wrestling world. Um, do apologize for the the ringing you might hear in the background. My cat's going crazy <laughs> with, the, with the cat toy right now. Um, but yeah, truly excited to sit down with Val. Had the pleasure of finally meeting her Pride and Vibe weekend back in June and uh, knew that we needed to get her into the the other seat on this podcast pronto after that. So very exciting conversation coming up there. Also, I cannot tell you the the high I am still riding on from last week's show and the announcement of Cascadia going down on September 11th up in Everett, Washington. You know, obviously we're partnering with Without a Cause and Pride Style Pro to put on that show celebrating my wedding, celebrating the LGBTQ community in pro wrestling, the Pacific Northwest queer community uh, in pro wrestling, as well as the Las Vegas uh, community there. All these different elements coming together, mashing up, in uh, in Everett, just outside of Seattle, it's going to be outstanding. We announced our first match: uh, Sandra Moon and Max the Impaler for the Pride Style Pro Championship, the newly won Pride Style Pro Championship. The Sandra Moon holds right now, and I have to say the response has been wild, y'all. Y'all, thank you so much for the for the early response. We've only had the ticket link live for like four days and front row's almost gone y'all like if you haven't jumped on that already I think there's like by my unofficial tally there's like three front row tickets left plenty of uh, 
general admission seating, plenty of general admission uh, stand standing room tickets out there available. But just to see the response uh, with only one match announced has been uh, bewildering, honestly. I cannot thank all of you enough for, for that. It's just, it's wild. I never thought I'd be in this position in my life. And now that I am, I never thought I would see the kind of response that, that we have seen this early this soon we're we're still like two months away from the show pretty much and, and it's already just y'all are blowing my mind um obviously we'll have more match announcements coming for that um <laughs> so keep your eyes peeled on all of the social media accounts you know for lgbt in the ring without a cause and prize style pro um and you'll follow this journey along with us as we count down the days till Cascadia, September 11th up in Everett, Washington. Don't forget tickets at uh, brainbusterticks.com slash Cascadia. Definitely pick those up. Um, and while we're talking about Brainbuster, I should just go ahead and plug the merch. As we have merch as well. Uh, you're going to want to go to brainbustertees.com and search LGBT in the ring. We've got uh, some options up there with some more coming soon. Uh, so definitely check that out. We, I had post-Pride plans, y'all, and I'm putting that all into effect. I am diving headfirst into the deep end here, and I cannot tell you how excited I am that I am. It's just, it's a whole lot of fun. Um, before we get to my conversation with Val, though, I'm going to touch on a couple of things from the week, obviously, because we didn't really talk about um, stuff that happened last week because of the Cascadia announcement. Uh, but, yeah, obviously we got further reporting on Vince McMahon. Um, grosser than before, but not anything that was terribly surprising, knowing the, uh, the history there, as well as you know some of the similarities between certain circumstances outlined in the Wall Street Journal um, article that came out on Friday um, versus past um, accusations or past circumstances that we've seen involving Vince McMahon in the past. Um, it's still grody. He should be gone from that company as soon as possible. Um, he should have been gone a while ago, honestly. But, you know, that's... That's the idealist thinking, you know, whenever it boils down to how WWE um, will handle this, how they've already shown themselves to handle this. I mean, we had the the uh, more of a PR move of him, the announcement of him stepping down as, you know, from the, from the board or from his role as chairman and CEO for now and installing Stephanie, but nothing really has changed in actuality from that. Um, you know, I think that's kind of indicative of what this entire situation is going to look like for the foreseeable future. Um, right now, you know, WWE's main, um, playing card is usually just wait these things out. You know, John Laurinaitis is def definitely not going to be working at that company. Um, but when it comes to Vince, like... It's very much weather the storm, and as it, it's, trust me, it eats at me too. It frustrates me to no end 
that there is no accountability or culpability for all these situations that that have been presented regarding him all these NDAs the millions of dollars that have been paid out to to women for their silence um, is disappointing it's not surprising but it's disappointing nonetheless it always will be um, I think but I don't know uh, this this is a situation that's going to continue to develop, and hopefully, something positive comes out of it. I'm crossing my fingers, but you know, it's it's a deflating thing, honestly. And to that end, we can also talk about you know the the statements that Brad Cashew made um, over the week as well. You know, the accusations made against uh, Johnny Vegas, a trainer up in the New England area, and we've seen multiple people corroborate those uh, the statements from Brad with their own statements as well. Um, there's been a lot of changes from various schools up there. They're talking about, you know, um, implementing background checks on trainers and um, trying to get more um, stringent on how they vet people and, and how situations like this are handled so there's definitely been some immediate positivity it seems like that have come out of that situation it's unfortunate that it had to get to this point you know where someone has been kind of showcasing this kind of behavior allegedly for a number of years at this point um, and who knows how many people out there have a story about Johnny Vegas or, or have experiences with Johnny Vegas that we haven't heard yet um, it's 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 another developing story right now, but it's I'm I'm very happy to see that Brad um, felt the strength to to share what he did and by doing so empower others to speak out about their experiences with Vegas as well. Um, and obviously, you know, this also extends down to Florida. Vegas has had relationships with um, some places in Florida as well. So we're going to be keeping an eye on that, and, and we'll see what comes of that. But for now, um, you know, this is a show that believes survivors, um, and this is a show that takes these sort of allegations very, very seriously. So thank you, Brad, for, for having the strength to, to share that and to continue to empower those um that want to clean up pro wrestling, that want to um, move pro wrestling into a a better uh, place when it comes to to these situations. You know, this is just another step in that that we've seen over the past couple of years, really since speaking out. Um, obviously, there's a ton of more work to do, but you know, this the, these are good steps, and steps are all we can take right now as we keep moving towards the place where we need to end up. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I guess that's a good place to end that for the week. Shout out to Swerve and Our Glory. Awesome tag team title victory. Um, but yeah, with that, let's get into my conversation with one Val Capone. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back. The LGBT in the ring. I'm very excited to have as my guest this week someone who you have heard on Freelance 
wrestling out of Chicago. You have heard uh, Zello Pro. You have heard her on the Big Gay Brunch. You have heard her at Pro Wrestling Vibe. And very personal to me, you have heard and seen her at Prestige Wrestling at the return to the Rosen Theater earlier this year. Please welcome uh, Val Capone to the show. How are you doing today, Val? Uh, I am super stoked. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's typically, uh, you know, my general state of mind and way of being if I'm lucky <laughs> <laughs> it's a good place to be honestly like I I envy you <laughs> uh, well life's too short to not have a good time with it so I try uh not every day is sunshine and rainbows I mean let's be real but um I've had enough cloudy days in my life so I always try to find that silver lining whenever I can and it's not always easy but uh, gotta try right so <laughs> very very true like if, yeah. if you don't look for it you're never gonna find it so bingo yeah no I feel you on that I'm excited to have you on like we were chatting before I hit record here like obviously you've been a fixture at a number of spots uh, especially in your native Chicago um, area but you've also been popping up as a as a ring announcer and a commentator at a lot of LGBTQ focused shows. Obviously, you are a member of the community. So I like I can definitely see that having a lot of personal importance for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, I'm very lucky. I grew up in a neighborhood that definitely embraces the um, alphabet army, if you will. <laughs> I grew up in the shadows of Wrigley Field at Clark and Waveland. And so very um, gayborhood adjacent. Um, the neighborhood now known as North Halstead, but uh, formerly known as Boys Town. And um, very cool that it, it has uh, recognized that we should embrace all colors of the rainbow and all stripes of a rainbow. And I am uh, proud to put the B in the LGBTQ plus. I am a bisexual woman and um, I have always kind of felt love who you love as long as you love. And as simple as that statement might be, sometimes it's okay to just love, you know, and be proud of who you are. And yeah, there you go. No, it's, it's very, very true. I, I obviously like I, I visit Chicago. I am not familiar with a lot of the layout of Chicago. So I didn't realize that like where you grew up, because I've seen it in like past interviews where you talked about, you know, growing up in like the shadow of Wrigley in a way. Yeah. But I didn't realize that it, that Wrigley was so adjacent to the former Boys Town neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, it's very close to North Halstead. I mean, like legit, like a block away is some of the most LGBTQ plus friendly neighborhoods that you will find in the greatest city on earth. I'm a little biased, but Sweet Home Chicago is such a wonderful town to grow up in. I mean, there's so much food, so much culture, so much art, music, sports, um, history. There's so much greenery. I mean, it's a fantastic, like, transit friendly city like you don't need to have a car but i do have a car because it's it's so close to so many other major metropolitan cities as well but you could just hop the l and spend the whole day exploring the entire city and it's 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 awesome i mean you know i love everything about sweet home chicago and it's and it's really easy to get to both coasts like I was very, very lucky that um, I was able to live out on the West Coast for about six months last year. Um, sadly, due to the pandemic, um, all of my jobs kind of vanished at once. And um, 
after being <laughs> excessively sad for quite a bit uh, because of that. I uh, kind of picked myself up by my bootstraps and uh, my cousin helped me find the way to do so and said, hey, cuz, you know, you used to manage music festival bar operations. Why don't you use that skill set to help our country try to get back on its feet? And I moved out west to go work on vaccination sites for six months. And so I helped manage the vac sites of L.A. County. And while I, you know, obviously couldn't put needles into arms, I surely could put cars into lanes to help get those needles into arms. And so I did that for six months and I lived out in California and it was great, but it was really hard to get involved in the wrestling scene because I didn't know anybody out there and everybody was still pretty shut down for a while. Um, but I was so glad to come back to Sweet Home, even though I loved my time in SoCal. It was, it was awesome living in Burbank, um, but Chicago is so centrally located in America that it's easy for me to say, you know what, this card is so sick, I'm gonna buy a ticket. And then when I found out that Prestige uh, didn't have a ring announcer, I shot my shot and I said, hey, it's probably a wild goose chase, but do you need a loudmouth lady on the mic? And they said, hey, we'll give you a shot. And Will was so wonderful and welcoming. And I can't believe I got to make my debut with Prestige in front of a thousand people. It, it was just bonkers and, you know, main event of no big deal. It was like a thousand people and mind blowing <laughs> and, you know, Malachi Black, Davey Richards, NBD whatever <laughs> yeah exactly right <laughs> i wasn't nervous at all and hypnotized by both of them it was okay. <laughs> but then i can also just pop out and be like yeah no big deal one of the biggest weekends for the queer community in wrestling ever of the pride and vibe weekend it was like yeah no big deal i get to be a part of history and not cry ugly in public all weekend whatever it's okay <laughs> <laughs> so nonchalant yeah. So, so just eating the emotions away. Yeah, I didn't like collapse or anything as soon as I got back to my hotel. Whatever, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. None of us did. Yeah, none of us did. Yeah, actually, um, when I met you, I was like, "Well, I'm so sorry. I didn't say hi last night. I saw you, and I was just like brain dead by the end of the night because of, I was overcome with all the emotions." No, it was. I was in the same situation. Like I told you, I was same situation. Like I just, I'm. I can be a little weird at shows sometimes because, like, I have a lot of like social anxiety, and so like it can just be a little difficult for me to just walk up to someone who like I might know from online or who I've had on the show but haven't met in person before, and just simply introduce myself. And so like I I was in the same boat like I saw you earlier on the first night of Pride and Vibe and I was just like okay I have to introduce myself to Val, um, <laughs> along with so many other like people that were there and I I was very I was very happy that that you came up to me after uh, or, or during uh, Paris's bumping because like yeah. I I was I was very much in my mode it's just like uh, I'm out I'm out here public facing but also. I don't want to come off like a standoffish person, but I just also feel very much inside myself. Well, and also, um, unfortunately, I'm still suffering pretty gnarly style from uh, long COVID. So yeah. I'm I'm really having like a lot of brain glitching going on and people are like, oh, it's just a cold. Oh, it's just the flu. I just had the sniffles. I'm like, congrats, bro. Like, I'm so stoked for you. That's all you had was, hey, it was just rough allergies. I had a minor headache cool story, my friend. I had four vials of fluid pumped out of my spine, courtesy of a spinal tap, and I'm still struggling. It's awesome. 
So it's really hard when I'm in the ring with a mic in my hand and I have this rad intro and I'm all the impact world champion, J Josh Alexander, like in the, and that happened. That legit happened in the middle of the ring at Black Label Pro in Las Vegas, like how horrific. But thankfully, Josh is such a class act. He legit turned around after he held up his you know, fist. He like turned around and he fist bumped me and he's like, it's all good, Val. Because, I mean, he knows that I obviously know who he is. He's not Jake Alexander. He's not Jake from State Farm. But he also knows that I've been struggling with long COVID. And so it's very challenging when I don't know if I've already introduced myself to someone or if they even know who I am or like, I don't want to be rude and imposing. And also there's like, I'm typically wearing a mask when I'm in public. So I don't know if people like see me smiling because I, I am very like uh, animated. You know, so like I typically emote with my eyes and I'll be like, hey, but uh, I also want to give people space because COVID is still very active and is still very real. And I don't know what people's comfort zones are with public interaction, whether it be due to COVID or just personal space and social anxiety period. Like I try to be respectful of every individual's bubble just because I'm like very okay with public interaction doesn't mean everybody else's. You know, yeah. so I went up and I was so happy to talk to you and your partner, Casey, who was lovely. Please say hello for me. Will do. Um, yes. And I listened to your recap. Um, not at all while I was working the other day. Would never have done that while I was at work. <laughs> Definitely never. not while I was at work. Never. But had I listened to it while I was at work, not that I ever would. I really enjoyed the recap um, of Paris is pumping and uh, the Cassandra cup too. It was very enjoyable. And I really like Casey's insight, you know, um, just as someone who like is still discovering their favorite people in wrestling. Very, very yeah. cool to hear. You know no, what I mean? I, I, I love discussing pro wrestling with, with Casey, you know, whether it's on the show or just us sitting on the couch watching something because, yeah. you know, unlike you and I, like who kind of really grew up in this fandom in a lot of ways, like they have nothing to fall back on. I think the first match I ever showed them was Shinsuke Nakamura, Sami Zayn from that <sighs> takeover in Dallas because, and the main reason why I chose that one was because like, I thought, and I think this is something that a lot of wrestling fans might have in the back of their brain. I thought that, okay, they're going to think that this is corny, that they're going to think this is like cheesy in some way, or there's like, maybe it's my own insecurity. They're going to think it's like that wrestling is like this hokey thing that, that is, I'm just going to be the wrestling nerd that I was in middle school again in their eyes. And then, so I like, okay, I need to pick a match that has like the athleticism in it that displays the athletic part of this as best it could and at, the, at that point that was the match well, so what a phenomenal match to yes. introduce your partner to as like dare i say the gateway drug that is <laughs> professional <laughs> wrestling wow if there is a match to get somebody hooked on that very well may be one of the best you know um Mm. As soon as you said that, I like had to bite my knuckles because that is such a good match. Yes. God, it is so good. Like that. And then I think by the time we went to the Ring of Honor show and they got to see Dalton Castle for the first time, they they 
they knew where they stood. <laughs> uh, when I got to intro Dalton Castle at Prestige, I definitely was like lady marking out for sure. <laughs> and like the boys calling them the chicks. I was so stoked. <laughs> because God. like, you know, I know people use mark like a dirty term, but am I allowed to swear? Yes, you can okay, cuss all you that. want. Fuck that. Yes. Because why do we work in this industry if not to enjoy it? Like, embrace the joy, my friends. Like, yes, am I a professional when I have to introduce people and like I'm in the back and I'm asking somebody that I first met as a fan as Tommy End. You know, that's how I first met who we know as Malachi Black and prior to that, Alistair Black. But I first met him as the brutal brilliance that is Tommy End. Did my heart go flutter, flutter, pat, pat? Of course, but did did I still just say, hello, my name is Val. I'll be, I'll be your ring announcer tonight. Um, can I ask you a few questions as how you'd like your ring and, you know, intro to be? And he said, of course, my name is Tommy. And he was very play, we were very professional. And I, the first thing I always ask someone is, what pronouns would you like me to use in the ring? What are your pronouns? That's my very first thing I always ask people. And then I say, what is your tagline? Where are you from? Would you like me to say your, your uh, fighting weights, your body weights? Is there anything else you would like me to add? Because I try to keep it short and concise because it shouldn't be about me. It should be about them, you know? Unless I'm on commentary, then of course I try to flush out a bit more information, but let's get to the point. And the point is the match. Let's fucking do this and let's move on. And then as soon as I walk away, I go, <gasps> you know what I mean? That's when I freak out, but yeah. You know, but I definitely had a moment where I just couldn't even believe I got to intro Dalton Castle because how beautiful, you know, how beautiful he is. What a specimen. I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, and then it, we just had such a wonderful time after the show. We like uh, we ended up in the rain waiting in line for voodoo donuts, of course. And it turned into this whole thing where clearly he was my ex from the eighties, yet we still get along. Somehow, somehow we still <laughs> stomach each other just enough to stand in the rain for donuts. It's worth it. Even though we can barely tolerate each other. What an ugly divorce we had. And I don't even know how it started, but it was a delight. <laughs> I will say standing in the rain to get voodoo donut is the most like out of town or Portland thing that I can hear on a daily basis. It's just, it's just like, yep. I know where they were. I know well, what's going down. Incidentally, to tie that in, the only reason why I still go to Voodoo Donuts every single time to kind of tie it into the roller derby aspect of my life, um, one of my very dear brothers from another mother uh, was, um, I, if I recall correctly, and again, please forgive me, due to the long COVID, my brain is glitching quite a bit, as I mentioned, but also 15 years of playing roller derby, my bump card is quite full of concussions. Um, his name was Rob Lobster, and uh, he was, I believe, the CEO or the CFO of Voodoo Donuts. And so unfortunately, he passed away. He had a very, very gnarly bout of optical cancer, I believe is what unfortunately took him from us. But he was a love and he was a light and he was one of the founding members early on, uh, involved very early on with Voodoo Donuts. So I still go every time I'm in Portland or anywhere that there's a Voodoo Donuts in the world. There's now multiple locations throughout the world. 
Yeah, yeah. I actually, and, funnily enough, I used to work at Voodoo Donut, so like. <laughs> you know who Robin is? You know, did you know of Robin? I I knew of Robin, but I, I was there after. I think after Robin. After passed. he passed. Yeah. yeah. So I just go to visit his stained glass because mm -hmm. he's 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 a stained glass, and um, I w I would always get an ODB uh in you know just because he would always bring them to me i still have a pair of the short booty shorts you know and, um yeah. i i still have a few of the shirts that he would give me and uh we met because of roller derby days and i was the captain of uh at roller con every year a roller derby convention that i was one of the managers of for the announcing department um so we would have all these like fun games like um I would be the captain of team star wars against team star trek and you would always skate as different themes so i was uh val baca you know and my number would be 73 because peter mayhew when he filmed the original star wars a new hope was seven foot three so my number was 73 and um i would skate on uh i was captain of team yid and i would scheme at uh, i would skate as leva which is my hebrew name because i'm half jewish and even though it's very not kosher, Rob Lobster would skate on Team Yid because he was such a good friend of mine. And uh, we would skate on uh, Team Ginger together because he was a ginge and I have a tinge of the ginge. So uh, I, I always go to voodoo in his memory. So that's why I was there standing in the rain. And also apparently I'm, Dalton Castle and I were married or something in the eighties. Yes. One can dream. There you go. <laughs> I, hope, I hope the listeners are confused yet enjoying these tangents we're already on. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it's all joy. I'm sure it's all amusement <laughs> at this point. I, I try to tell people that the train is always late, but it will eventually reach the station. That's how my story is. <laughs> no, like I, I, let's talk a little bit more about the Roseland show and then we can move on to other topics. There's a, you have such an eclectic like life that there's so many different things that we could touch on throughout like your past here and there but thank you go, going back to the rosen show just for one more time um like that was the first prestige show that i ever went to was that show like i was yeah, I, yeah. so like i i don't know like it was just being in the northwest right now and um covering wrestling from the perspective that i do cover it from you know a lot of the focus is on a, a lot of different places other than where i live um you know obviously like we have some out talent that works regularly in the region here but a lot of the the focus goes to like your pro wrestling vibe up in like the northeast or now their next show in the capital region whenever billy wants to announce that um or like the big gay brunches which you know follow gcw and follow wrestlemania week wherever it goes but i don't know there was something special about seeing prestige come back and having you on that show because outside of you i you and Jaden, i think were the only two members of the lgbtq community on that show and i'm saying that from memory i don't have the card in front of me so i'm trying to i'm trying to run through my rolodex in my head ryan my love please yes I think you are forgetting one of the most crucial matches. Oh my God. Oh my God. You are right. You want to talk about your train not arriving. Yet. Oh my God. Pax my Americana and Bussy. You're Pax making Americana me. Americana and Bussy and You're Funny making... Bone. Oh my God. 
Okay. You're making me feel like a queen of brilliance. <laughs> and it's actually, yes. It, yeah, that tag match was sick. It was oh so much God, fun. Yes. I am going to. Funny Bone. And admittedly, I was, um, I kind of botched things for my partners on commentary because realistically, pro tip for ring announcers out there commentators will not start talking until we stop talking. And that is a courtesy and that is a respect because commentators want to give the ring announcer, oh, sorry, am I revealing too much behind the curtain? Here we go. <laughs> Killing kayfabe left and right, Val, come on. Um, commentators want to be respectful to the ring announcers because we only have a few moments in time to truly shine and show you the art of our craft, right? And now here I put on my commentator hat because I do that as well. Now we as commentators, like to give respect to those of us as ring announcers. So we don't start talking on commentary until we as ring announcers are done. So I did a disservice actually to my friends on commentating because I didn't start until Funny Bone had made his beautiful, I just love his entrance so much. Oh, his entrance is just so gorgeous. He does like this creepy bone bending dance that if I could emulate it for the rest of my life, it just would be big perfect. fur flying everywhere. And, yes. Oh. And he's just so creepy and hypnotizing. And how can you not get transfixed on every single arch of every single funny bone? You know, like he truly is made out of magic and he's very, very good in the ring. He is so charismatic, but also like so hard hitting. He is not just an entrance. He is like a statement, but also just like so good in the ring. Like, I just, I love watching him wrestle. Um, but I was just so transfixed and caught up in the moment. And I think I was just feeling it. So I waited until he was like dramatically in the ring and I just let it ooze out and maybe I shouldn't have. But so I apologize to my, my fellows, on, uh, my fellow kinfolk on Mike, the commentators, but it was fun and it was dramatic and I made it work, I guess. But funny bone, what a treat that, that, Mm, so good. If you if you don't know if you're not familiar with Funny Bone, please 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 check out Funny Bone's matches. And when Funny Bone does the um, the Pride body paint, it's oh my like god, so brilliant, isn't yes. it? It is sick. I have a I'm, painting of it like above my bookshelf back here. You can't, oh, it's it's yeah. cut off, but it's it's up there. The, the preparation and care that goes into that body paint, because like. I went into interview for ring prep and just talk, watching the work that goes in, it's just amazing and magical. Um, but yeah, the Bussy Pox American, uh, Americana match was so yes. good. Of course, it was also great because that was, I think that was one of the first matches that the Bussy uh, ring music was unveiled. Because I was asking Effie and Allie Catch, of course, we know the legendary sisters of Bussy. Um, you know, Effie, of course, coming out to the Queen on High herself, Elton John, and um, Allie coming out to uh, Wet Ass Pussy to WAP. But they do like the remix. Mm -hmm. of the and I, when I was asking, I was like, hey, what do we want for the intro, the huge? Like, and Effie was like, girl, wait until you hear our ring music. And I was like blown <laughs> away. It was so good. It's like a, it's a mix up. It's a mashup. Mashup. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that works. Yeah. I'm glitching real bad today. I'm sorry, y'all. I haven't eaten yet. It's like, oh, 
four o'clock in Chicago. Um, <laughs> but, and then it was against um, Dark Sheik and MV Young. Like, yes. excuse me? Don't it, talk about some heavy hitters of the no. queer wrestling community. Brian, my birthday is not until January 2nd. How was I given that gift so early <laughs> in the year? What the actual what? <laughs> Yeah. God, I feel so bad now that my, that I just like everything just ran out of my head. How could I forget Bussy and Pax Americana? It's okay, but you um, know what you can do? You can go back and watch that match. It was so flipping good. Oh my God, so, yes, so good. I don't but, even smoke, but I felt like I needed a cigarette after that match. That's how good it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously. Um, Rosen was not your first foray into this. You've been doing this for a while now, uh, most notably, I think, um, or more, most consistently, rather, with um, Freelance in Chicago. So was, was Freelance your, your like, first spot in pro wrestling? Or, like, what, what was your entry point into pro wrestling like? Um, so I actually started in professional wrestling in um, 2016, by accident, um, I started doing commentary. So in the world of roller derby, um, we do live play-by-play. -play. We do live commentary in-house. It's one of the only sports, other than I believe cricket, that has audible play-by-play -play and color and sponsorship reads that the competitors can hear while they're competing. And um, that's in part because the sport is kind of complicated and there's a lot of subtle nuances that maybe the audience wouldn't understand. So that's for the benefit of the live audience in-house. But we also have commentary that is very different because it's a different, uh, it's a different kind of broadcast for those listening at home. So we have two different commentary teams in the world of roller derby. So we have the house call and the broadcast call. Now I do both for uh, roller derby. So my very good friend, Dr. Keith Lipinski, who is a doctor in osmology, um, mm -hmm. he and I have been uh, marking out together since the mid nineties because Grandma Capone is an old lady mark from way back when. My first show that I recall seeing live was WrestleMania two. And uh, my dad said, no kiddo, I took you when you were three years old. So that was four years prior. If you want to figure out how old I am, there you go. Um, and uh, so he knew that I had been watching wrestling since the dawn of time, right? And uh, he had a, a ring announcer who had a family emergency. And he said, hey, you coming to the show tomorrow? And I said, yeah, after I'm done working the Cubs game, of course I am. And he goes, can you get here before doors? And I was like, well, I'm on the north side of the city and your show is on the very far south side of the city. So I can get there as soon as I can. Why? And he's like, well, if you can get here before doors, I'm going to have you ring announce. And I was like, I'll be there before doors. Now, keep in mind when I'm beer vending at Wrigley Field, which is like my, my main payday, right? That's my main job or my shoot job. If you want to <laughs> use the speak, right? You want to use the lingo. That's how I pay my rent typically. Um, I'm wearing like khaki shorts down to my knees. I'm wearing a polyester shirt that really doesn't help in the sun. Uh, at that point in time, a, a really sweet visor and uh, sweating to the oldies, uh, changing beer kegs, throwing cases around. 
working on that farmer's tan, you know, uh, definitely not looking, uh, like a ring announcer. <laughs> so, <laughs> not that I was at all unsafe and did my makeup and dry shampooed all the way to the venue. Um, but I also forgot that I had a torn ligament in my ankle. Oh, so I also had a boot on up to my knee. <laughs> so I said, Oh, holy shnikes. What do I do? So I had these motorcycle boots that also went up to my knee and had some strappy contraptions. And so I taped the crap out of that ankle, like ankle locked it, like for game day. Yeah. I put all this weed cream all over my ankle. So I numbed the crap out of it. I couldn't even feel my toes after I got out of the car, of course. Yeah. I drove safely. Um, well, as safe as you can while you're drawing on your eyebrows, right? And um, got everything dry shampooed, did everything I could sprayed everything down. Chris Hero's there. Sammy Callahan's there. Abyss is there. Um, Mustafa Ali, Ray Oris, like Ray Phoenix, like uh, Kimberly, Heidi Lovelace. Like what, what the fuck am I doing here, Brian? What the fuck <laughs> am I doing here? I've never ring announced in my life. I got to just do my best, like Howard Fink or like me and Gina or like, who am I doing? What am I doing? Lillian Garcia. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to pretend Eden Styles. Who am I doing? Okay. But I'm a North Sider on the South side. I'm definitely wearing a Cubs blue dress. Okay. We got this. And I have note cards and all of a sudden I have to time the matches and do the bell. And it's for AAW, all, um, all American wrestling. Right. And I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. And, uh, the first match, the first match, it was Ray Oris and Mustafa Ali and Ali bounced off the barricade and split his face open and both his oh. eyes went to the side of his temples Jesus. and the referee threw the X and I had to call the match, my first match ever. And then Ali comes up to me afterwards and he apologized to me. And he's like, I'm so sorry to put you through that on your first match you ever called. And I was like, what humble and sweet and wonderful person that he got severely concussed, yet he was apologizing to me. What an angel baby, huh? Oh, mm. love the man. So then the rest of the show goes on. Sammy Callahan's cutting a promo with my ring with Abyss, this monster of the ring. Throws my mat of my mic in between the crevasse that is the ring and the stage. There's like just a mic width of room gets lost your girl is like crawling around trying to find it somehow some one of the ring guys found it thankfully and most of the show goes off without a hitch there was like a dance off between like trevor lee and moose and jack evans it was bizarre jeff cobb i was on the show i don't know and afterwards chris chris hero was like whoa did you mess up your ankle in the in the show and i was like oh no i have like four torn ligaments and i just taped it up and party time excellent and he's like huh it was so surreal but yeah that was my first show ever I had like a nearly dislocated ankle and I still got in and out of the ring the whole time and did the thing and yeah that's how I started recognizing <laughs> I mean talk about fucking trial by fire yeah dude and my I'm God. not gonna say it was the best thing I've ever done but it was definitely one of the best things I've ever done <laughs> it was also maybe the worst ring announcing I've ever done uh I still haven't watched it back I can't I'm so nervous too so uh if you want to go out there and watch how terrible I am feel free to it was like defining moment wouldn't a pro pro name yep. right there you go. <laughs>
but then it was um um a, i want to say like a few months later um unfortunately kirby who is like my big brother in uh wrestling he's definitely like so, oh god so gifted and so wonderful and so loving and so supportive of every single ding ding thing i do in wrestling or otherwise man he's just like a saint uh kirby uh got pretty sick for a while he's the main ring announcer for freelance and freelance underground as well as warrior wrestling and um he uh he was out for a while so uh andy long who is a referee here in chicago um asked me to work freelance underground so i did and then the next night there was freelance and matt nix who started freelance and asked me to uh, step up and do that. So I did for a few months while Kirby recovered. And it was a pretty great way to cut my teeth because freelance and freelance underground, very supportive of women, of LGBTQ plus, of all races, all backgrounds, like just such a wonderful environment to quote unquote grow up in and to learn from and to take my skill sets that I worked on for years in roller derby and be able to hone them and shape them and make mistakes, but like more so missteps because I, I was able to learn from and grow with, you know, mm. in professional wrestling um, and get guidance. And rather than like be treated poorly because I'm a queer woman and a Jew, like still supported because I hate to say it, but there's a lot of anti-Semitism out there. Let's be real. Very, very true. I mean, sadly, a lot of stuff just went down here in, my neck of the woods, you know, and it's utterly devastating, like utterly devastating. I can't even start talking about it or I'll cry, man. Um, but to, to grow up in such a wonderful environment, as it were, like, I'm so blessed that I, I got the support from freelance and Matt Nix in particular. And then thankfully Kirby recovered and Matt was like, well, Kirby's our dude, but we want you to be our dude. So like, why don't, I just create a job for you. And I was like, huh, well, okay, what can I do? And he said, let's make you our backstage correspondent. And I said, well, there is no such thing in freelance or freelance underground. And they said, well, there is now if you want the job. And so I just got to cut promos with like everyone. And it was so great to work with people like Ethan Page and Danhausen and Space Monkey and like, I just got to be a goofball with like Kylie Ray and I got to get yelled at by stupid Robert Ego Anthony and dumbass Frank the Clown. And, you know, I, I mean, it was great. And like all the while, like Warrior Wrestling was like, hey, Valfonts, do you want to come on board and do these things with us? And then Warrior Wrestling was like, we want to showcase the strength of women in wrestling. So we'd like you to be ring announcer and commentator on all the women's matches. And like we, even though it was started at a Catholic school, we love that you're a Jew. Like, we love that you're a queer woman and a powerful woman. Like, like hell yeah, let's showcase that. And same thing with Zello. And then Effie and I got to work together so often because he is like a, a member of the freelance family. And he was like, girl, I want you on my big gay brunch. It wouldn't be right without you. And there's so much bi in our community. Like, I can't tell you how often I get told, wait, you're not a lesbian? I'm like, no, I'm a bisexual woman. Like I've had many, many girlfriends and I've had many, many boyfriends and it doesn't, why should that matter? 
oh, well, it's just a phase. Well, what? Why, who are you telling me to love? Why are you telling me to love who I love? Why are you telling me who I should spend my quality time with? Oh, well, you're pan. Wait, well, if that's what works for you, that's wonderful, but this is what works for me. I like my gender and I like other genders. Like it's my gender and all genders that are not mine. Well, that's excluding anybody that's trans. No, it's not because I believe trans women are women. So that's mm -hmm. my gender, I'm a woman. So I like my gender. So I would never exclude a trans woman from my dating pool because trans women are women. I would never exclude a trans man from my dating pool because that is not my gender. And I am not non-binary, so that is not my gender. So I would never exclude a, a not, well, that's pan. Well, that works for you and that's fine. But for me, I actually, it's funny. This is my makeup bag. It's a <laughs> high flag makeup bag. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, Yens. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Um, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboy otm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. It was interesting because, like, I feel like that debate between, like, the definition of bi and pan and how they've kind of been muddled together in a way and honestly just the idea of having that separation exist is one that you know has been very personally affecting for me as well as you know someone who identifies I've just kind of gone with the with the terminology of bipan I just throw them both out there um, for myself and the way that you like define your bisexuality is a lot of how my partner would de would define it or how other people in my life would define it as well and i don't know it's interesting to see how these definitions of these terms that that you know are definitely like signifiers but aren't 100% defining in a way 
but how much emphasis the outside world puts on that, especially whenever that same outside world is still perpetuating a lot of this, the same things, like you said, that erases from this community as well. Well, it's funny and it's actually not funny. It's kind of sad, but, um, and I, I have never actually talked about this. I've only ever talked about this with my partner who they're also flying the buy flag. And uh, I keep my personal relationships very close to the chest because my personal life is my personal life. It's personal. And I am very much in love with my partner. It's disgusting. It's stupid. It's cute as fuck. Like, uh, oh, I have to call them actually. Today's eight months. Vomit. Um, (laughs) We're so gross. (laughs) We're so gross. It's awesome. But yeah, they're also bi. And it's refreshing because um, they understand. And it's not an issue. It's never been an issue. And we discuss our dating experiences, our sexuality all the time. And it's never been been an issue. So they're the only person that I've ever actually discussed this with um, about who the individual was. But at the very first Effie's Big Gay Brunch, I was a co-host with Jay Rose. And Jay is, um, Jordan is Pan and I'm Bi. Now, for some reason, Pan seems to be more acceptable for the modern queer community than Bi is. And Effie is like, oh, no, 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 girl. No, 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 no. You are bi. And that is one of the many letters of our army. Like, let's lift up our brothers and sisters and everyone in between if you're part of the queer community, which honestly, I am very comfortable saying I'm a queer kid and I always have been. But one of my former bosses at Wrigley, he's a very openly gay man, very openly presenting gay man, like very flamboyant. He's like, I am as gay as the day is long, fucking a right, you know? And he loves that, but he's like, please don't ever call me queer because that was a negative term when I was younger and I was harassed. So please don't, if you're okay with it, please don't even refer to yourself as a queer kid because it, it makes me feel uncomfortable. So never around my former boss would I ever say I'm a queer woman. I would say I'm a bisexual woman because I respect him and the hard times and the way that affected him. And even though it might seem like he's not respecting of my boundaries, I think that like the horror that he suffered, I can handle five minutes of not calling myself queer. It's okay because I'm comfortable and I grew up in a neighborhood that's comfortable and everything's fine. Like I was fine with it. We're good there. But that being said, at Effie's Big Gay Brunch, I got like queer shame for not being queer enough. Mm. I was told that commentary, Effie wanted me on commentary and I got shooed away. And I will never say who shooed me away. Mm-hmm. And, and I've actually had conversations with this person since and they and I are cool. And I will never say who did it because I would never want the hellfire that I'm sure the internet would throw at this person because they don't deserve it because they didn't know. They just thought I was some straight girl that I was an ally, you know, like they didn't know. They didn't ask. They just assumed that I was Val Capone straight on a mission, you know, like, Sorry. <laughs> just straight on a mission just sounds like the worst wrestling stable. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, and it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I've spent four decades like 
being told that I'm too tall, I'm not tall enough, I'm too, I'm not, I'm not big enough for the plus size stores, I'm too fat for the regular size, size stores, I'm too gay, I'm not gay enough, I'm too white, I'm not white enough, like I get it, I'm used to it, I'm not answering the phone because our business ain't open yet. Sorry, I'm at work, y'all. <laughs> um, sorry about that for the ringer in the background, everyone. But, you know, it's like, this is the duality of being a bi woman. Shit, I have the Jedi and the Empire on my shoulders. You know what I mean? Like, I get it, you know? I am a diehard Cubs fan, but I also support the White Sox. Like, I get it. Like, I am bisexual and I am bisexual. Like, I get it. <laughs> but, you know, and to this day, me and this individual get along just fine. And we've had a conversation and they didn't know that I was a bi woman. And there's not enough time when you're in between matches to have a lengthy conversation about how awful you are for assuming my sexuality, assuming my gender, assuming my identity. It is not right. It is not okay. But you know what's not okay? Throwing a fit in the middle of big gay brunch when you have to get the next person on commentary. Like that is unprofessional. That is unfair. That's not a good representation of our peeps. You know what I mean? Yeah. And only my current partner like even knows who this individual is and that's fine. But the fact that we were able to have an open conversation when it was appropriate to talk about it, that's all that matters. And like education that like, it's okay to be bi, it's okay to be you. It's okay to love who you love as long as you love. What's not okay is shit talking and drama and it's unnecessary, man. Like what the fuck? Like let's be supportive, <laughs> not divisive. Let's come together and like teach, not, you know, teach mm -hmm. and preach the good love, not like, be negative and gross no reason for that you know yeah no i completely understand i mean it, i'm glad that that has landed in a, in a healthy place for you and this person in terms of your relationship and you know that opportunity was presented to be able to you know have that conversation and work out yeah. those issues there that is just it's it's a twofold thing to hear that that happened to you at the big gay brunch because on one hand it's just like what why would that happen at an event like the big gay brunch that is supposed to celebrate all of us but yep. also at the same time and this this goes back to some of like what we were talking about previously in terms of like bi erasure but also a lot of a lot of uh the reason why i that goes into a lot of the work that i do um in covering pro wrestling with a queer lens in, in the way that i do is that like you obviously cannot assume someone's sexual identity. Right. Um, you cannot assume it's not right for anyone to assume that sort of thing. Um, and I am just, I can't tell you how frustrated I get whenever I do the QWI and I have like 20 people um, in my DMs asking me why Kenny Omega is not on that list. Right. Because like he's like he's not out in any way, shape, or form. He's never stated one way or another. And for you to assume that of someone so is, rude. is very, very rude. And, and it's fair. Yeah. You rob so much power from someone by like, not being able to have that control over their own identity in that way. And it's recently happened and it's scary and it's sad and it's like not fair for anyone 
to take that away from you, you know? And like my partner didn't come out until recently and, and is fairly open, but has also gotten a lot of heat about it. Like, because they're not queer enough. And it's like, whoa, whoa. It's not for you to decide. Like at that first big gay brunch, I was dressed very ladylike. And you know, like I wasn't like crazy outlandish. Like you have to have everything rainbow. You have to have everything this. I decided to pay subtle tribute to the bi flag because I represent as bi, right? Mm -hmm. So I had a white dress that had pink and blue flowers and I had purple lace gloves and I had purple, uh, very cute like tea shoes on or whatever the fuck, I don't know what they're called because <laughs> I'm really not that classy. <laughs> I'm sitting here in an Iron Maiden shirt and I have more leopard print going on today than I really care to acknowledge. But, um, you know, and so like, that's how I did it. And I did it with the subtleties in my eye makeup, which actually I realized I also did that today because I really just love the colors, pink, blue, and purple. I mean, but, they work um, so well have, together. Like, Thank you. I have like pink lipstick on, purple eyeshadow and blue eyeliner and blue mascara. And so like, that's how I choose to represent. And it's perfectly okay if you want to drape yourself in the flag, like a cape, like, um, you know, Jordan Blade and I always talk about it because she has, um, you know, she is a, in like, I'm in a heteronormative relationship currently and she's in um, a lesbian relationship, but she's had heteronormative relationships and she considers herself bi and so she comes she's the fucking bi con you know what i mean yeah and she comes out with a bi flag and she and i talk about it all the time and we're like bro what the fuck why do people like give a fuck how we represent like if we feel comfortable this way why would you ever want to out somebody until they out themselves it's not your space to say like it's unacceptable when people are sending you in particular emails or letters that you where is Kenny Omega well until Kenny Omega wants to be placed on that list by outing himself like don't you dare and don't you dare assume who he is and who he isn't like it doesn't matter if you think you know until he chooses to decide to let the world know who he is or who he isn't like it's not our place to say like it's ridiculous exactly and and i can't it is the most frustrating thing in the world to see that but on the flip side of that to the same point like talking about this idea of not feeling queer enough or being some in some cases explicitly told that you're not queer enough that's another aspect that you know like i i share that personal experience with you i've had the i've had people tell me that it's one of the main reasons why you know i think i've said this on the podcast before but like why i haven't really felt comfortable in a lot of queer spaces growing up um and into adulthood because like i never felt like i belonged there i always felt like i was being judged for being in those because i wasn't just exclusively into dudes um and why i feel like pro wrestling is my queer community in a lot of ways because of the level of acceptance that we have in it but it's also a topic that i've come across in talking to a lot of people through the course of my work or for the show um, that provides a lot of hesitance to being able to actually live openly in the way that you that you see yourself and the way you identify is that feeling of, well, if I come out, I'm not this prototypical image of the, you know, queer person of whatever gender you identify as, you know, and a lot of that goes back to like hegemonic stereotyping of queer identities and all that other good 
uh, mumbo jumbo that we learned in college, um, the big college words. And but I don't know. It's frustrating to hear that that sort of thing was still happening, even in a space like that. You know, obviously it got rectified. Everything's cool now, but yeah. that like to all of us, including myself, who were watching and covering that event, like it really felt like this huge, big celebratory moment for our community. And obviously it still is, it, it was, but to hear that, like it's, it's definitely a frustration, but in some ways makes it, I guess, still authentic to our community because those issues are still happening within it. Yeah. Because I don't think just like when people are talking about, Oh, you know, the month of June slap a rainbow on it, suddenly everything's fixed. No, not at all. Just because we have big gay brunch doesn't mean everything's fixed. Yeah. Like it's a continue. And yes, it's exhausting. It is, but it's every single second of every single day, unfortunately is a teaching moment and also a learning moment for all, for everyone, including all of us. We're not always, unfortunately, safe. We're not always, unfortunately, celebrating. But it's always going to be teaching. It's always going to be learning. But isn't that the point? Because what the fuck is the point of being alive if you're not continuing to grow as a person? And how do you continue to grow as a person if you don't learn something new? And it doesn't have to be something, like, monumental and huge, you know? But, like, it, it just the little things. Like, the fact that I was paying tribute to the bi flag by wearing that dress and those gloves and them shoes, you know, or like, I mean, I don't know, just like, yes, it is a joyous celebration occasion, but it's also like we can continue to learn about each other and learn and grow. And the simple fact that including that day, I got shredded on the internet because I used she, her pronouns for still life at the time, now Edith because that was the first time she felt comfortable no longer using they, them. Cause I even asked, I asked every single person and I do every single show, even if it's a predominantly quote unquote, cis bill, I still ask, even if I know, I always ask like, cause it's up to somebody to decide how they want to present themselves. And just because, you know, somebody uses he, him this time, who am I to say that they should use he, him next time? Why don't I just check? Every single time. Doesn't hurt me to ask, you know? Yeah. Also, it normalizes asking people. Exactly. And like, for example, I lost my she, her uh, button on my jacket, but I, I don't, I personally don't care what pronouns people use for me. Cause I'm very like gender non-conforming. Like I, I float between genders for the most part. Um, I kind of always have, but I asked and like, you know, uh, by the way, the main event of that first one, I had to sit in my car and weep for about 10 minutes before I drove away because it was Sunny Kiss versus Cassandra. And I was like, I can't believe I got to do that main event. Um, But, you know, I asked every single person and Edith, or still life at the time, I even asked her, I said, uh, do you prefer apricots or apricots? (laughs) The subtle nuances matter to me, you know, because I did from um, 2006 until uh 2019 ish i was doing roller derby commentary and boy there's a lot of challenging names to pronounce you know and it's a big difference like how you pronounce somebody's names like valfonce is what i go by because i'm named after alphonse but people call it valphones like i want to punch a bitch every time somebody (laughs) calls me valphones it's not that difficult it's valphonce 
I'm named after Alphonse Capone. Get it? Hey. So I said, is it apricots or apricots? Because depending on where the accent is from, it matters. So I asked her and she goes, oh, by the way, because um, I said pronouns, they, them. Okay. And is it apricots or apricots? And at the time they said, um, well, however you prefer is fine. I said, okay, well, I typically say apricots. And they were like, that's fine. And I said, they, them. And she said, actually, would you mind she, her? And I said, not if you don't mind, I would love to do that for you. And I felt honored because I was so fucking stoked to call that match because that was like one of the first times that we had a transgender woman, like femme presenting trans women match opening a show. That's fucking cool, man, you yeah. know? Like seriously, dude, that was like such an honor to get to do that, you know? Like, fuck yeah, let's open up this party day with these two badass bitches. Excuse me. Oh. I, I, that's like in the empowering bitches kind of way, by the way. <laughs> Everybody <Yes>. understand. Because um, <laughs> I love the both of them dearly. So like, I got to do that for Edie and Sheik. Are you kidding me? Like, that was so cool. And then I got shredded on the internet because they were like, how dare she do that? Oh, what do you expect out of a straight woman? And I was like, First off, that has nothing to do with it. My gender and my identity has nothing to do with it. Like, I like I would like to think anybody that would know what I do on the mic would know that I try to be as respectful. And I hadn't had COVID at that point. I didn't get COVID until this year. So I absolutely was not glitching at Big Gay Brunch. <laughs> like, I was not glitching at all. And I always be respectful. I try to do the best service I can for the people in the ring. Like that's, that's my number one objective when I'm on the mic is to give the best seasoning to the masterpiece meal they're about to cook for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's my number one priority. So it was such an honor to get to do that for her because that's such a big moment for her. And instead people thought it was some bullshit and it really bummed me out, but it's okay. I know what it meant. And so did Edith. Edith knew what it meant. And so did Cheek. And they had a fantastic match and it made me tear up when I went in the back. That's right. <laughs> no, it, it was a fantastic match. And um, I will admit whenever we covered that show here, um, I think I, we had Elm, uh, of uh on the show to to cover that with us i remember we we did offer some critique of kevin on commentary during that match regarding pronoun usage i but also we're operating from a place where like we don't know what Edie was telling you by backstage right. you know and, and like it is i i do understand your frustration though and like yeah. that should not have you know yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing, Brian, uh, you and Elm are coming from a place of protection. Yeah. I, and I know that. So there's a big difference when you're coming from a place of protection and concern versus the witch hunt, uh, excuse me, the witch hunt of the internet that are just looking to tear people down. Because you know what? I've worked with Kevin KG on a number of big gay brunches and I cannot tell you how hard that gentleman 
does his research, his homework, how much he wants to help the community, how much he wants to pay respect and the highest regard to the individuals that are out there literally putting their lives on the line every time they walk into that ring. Like you snap a neck, you might not be coming back, you know, mm-hmm. like, and he, just because he's a straight man doesn't mean he doesn't respect what we're all doing, you know, and he gets a lot of heat for many, many, many reasons, but he is true and sincere. I can, I can, I can tell you that like, and he does slip up, but it's also sometimes, man, commentary is really, really hard. My friend, like, I can't tell you cause it's a lot of information and you have to be able to keep the pace going and keep the story going and get the move sets correct and get the little nuances that you might not be able to see because it might not be visible by the way it's presented to you or the way that you could see or like it, it's really, really hard. And sometimes you're going to misspeak um, because of just the fast pace of the art of professional wrestling of the sport of professional wrestling. And I mean, I can, I can definitely guarantee he is not misgendering someone at all intentionally. It's often because it's just so fast paced and especially somebody like dark sheep. I know that he, he like got a lot of shit because he, he misgendered her in one match and, uh, and he corrects himself or I'll correct him. Mm -hmm. And he honestly tells me, he's like, I want you to correct me. I want you to correct me. And I will never be offended when you do because you are hella good with pronouns. And sometimes I'm going to slip because I'm doing fast pace and I'm so sorry. And like, he knows she, like they go fucking way back. Like they are fam from many, many years. And he knows that she is a woman and like, like he does not doing it like in any way, shape or form to be disrespectful. I mean, he's, he's, he is, uh, and I hate, you know, like I get the term ally. I also kind of hate it, but I also kind of love it. It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's one of those love hate terms that we all have to kind of rectify our relationship. Yeah. With yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, fuck off, but I'm also like, fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's all about the, the, the intention behind it. I feel. Yes. Like I saw all these fucking, oh, geez, I got to stop. I keep cussing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to fix that. Like I swear more than I don't. The only thing that stops me from swearing are little children or the elderly when they're around. I don't swear (laughs) because I was raised by my little Jewish grandmother, but also my seven foot tall pot smoking roadie father. So like I've been swearing (laughs) since I was a little kid. And so it's just like second nature. But whenever I have a microphone in front of me, I typically don't swear. So this is different though, because I'm looking at you on Zoom and we're talking like friends. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Sorry. Sorry, (laughs) everyone. I'm so sorry. (laughs) And since my partner is Canadian, I'm also sorry. (laughs) My coworkers here trying to set up around me. I'm also sorry to you, Devin. Thank you for being wonderful. He is an ally, though. He loves us queers. Hooray. <laughs> he, just did a raise, he just did a raise the roof symbol for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he said, say it loud and say it proud. <laughs> Hell yeah. We can get behind that. Well, yeah, Kevin Gill is a wonderful co-commentator, and Effie likes pairing us together on Big Gay Brunch because Effie does want to have, you know, I don't want to say straight representation because that's weird, but 
you know, it's like KG is good at what he does and having him in the mix on Big Gay Brunch, I think is important because, you know, mm-hmm. if he wants to have good commentators on. How valuable is it to you to have someone that's as receptive to correction or as receptive to, you know, I guess having the humility of understanding that they don't know everything about a community that they don't belong to as a commentary partner in the way that you describe Kevin, because obviously like we've seen a number of issues over the last few years as more LGBTQ people are present on more shows. You know, I go back to like what happened in Rise last year, whenever a common like commentators were removed mid show because they continually misgendered someone after they were told the correct pronouns to be used. Like, how valuable is it to have someone like Kevin or like your partners that you work with in other promotions that are receptive to your perspective as as a queer woman and being able to speak to these uh, these people that are in the ring authentically? Uh, I think it's pretty essential. And I think that's part of the reason why, and I can't speak for Effie, but um, I think that's part of the reason why Kevin is a part of the big gay brunch commentary team, because it's essential to see that people can learn and people can grow. And it's essential for the viewers at home to be taught. It's not that difficult to make the change. If you can believe that the undertaker can shoot lightning bolts. Okay that the undead can come back to life and wrestle, okay? <laughs> then you can believe that they, them is a thing. <laughs> like, and that pronouns, just use them. It's okay. You know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. so I think, I think it's really good. I think it's, uh, I think it's key, you know, to have Kevin in the mix, to have a commentator that is showing that it can be done. And, um, you know, for uh, Big Gay Brunch Dallas, when we were introducing people's names, I said, he, her, he, him, or, you know, and so-and-so uses all pronouns, or, you know, uh, Jay Vidal uses he, him, or blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I was saying their name along with their pronouns, and and eventually Kevin started doing it as well, which was really cool, I thought, because he was getting used to the fluidity of, hey, guess what? Here's their name and here's their pronouns. It's real simple. And he was doing a great job, I thought. And I feel like just watching him grow as somebody that maybe it's not as quote unquote natural. When people tell me, well, it's just so weird. I just don't know. And I'm like, what what is so hard? Like you, you believe that Big Bird exists, but you don't believe pronouns are a thing? What, I mean, yeah. what <laughs> it's really not that challenging did you learn a second language okay so you can use pronouns it's okay and if you're not sure then just use their name that works too yeah and, and don't just use a blanket well i'm just gonna call everyone them or they and it's like that, well yeah, but no. that, that doesn't work and uh, you know people are like well why doesn't that work and i said well because you're discounting the fact that like for example, I have, a, I have a friend who's a trans woman and she fought so hard to get the hormones that she needs to be her, you know? So you're gonna just they, them, her after she fought so hard to be who she is? Just respect her and call her, her. It's not that difficult. Yeah, you know? like I can't tell you how many like, like trans friends I have that, you know, may like present 
more like quote unquote androgynous but definitely have a like gender identity that is either male or female and then whenever people just use they rather default to using they them for for them rather than just asking them and that's one reason why i like bring that up earlier is because like we need to get better about normalizing that not just for our community but for everyone in general yeah and that's one reason why i really do appreciate and and KC and I've had this discussion watching the big gay brunches and, and stuff like that. Um, we're both incredibly appreciative that that you do mention pronouns on commentary. You know, we're seeing it more and more in terms of like on like lower thirds or chirons yeah. at some promotions yeah. that are doing that now as well. But the more that that can be normalized to where like you, I understand there can be some internal pressure or some anxiety about feeling that you're doing something wrong by asking someone their pronouns there isn't anything wrong with that but i understand how that feeling can get in there but the more we normalize it and just put it out there for people to just be feel like they can openly talk about that like in just like in just the introduction of somebody you know like it's it's very very valuable to do and and i am very appreciative that you do that on commentary well so for roller derby commentary um you know, there's like a lot of inside jokes that people outside don't understand. Like something as simple as, you know, in Major League Baseball, it gets truncated to MLB, right? And that's mm-hmm. very understood because it's been in- ingrained for hundreds of years. But the Women's Flat Track Derby Association, they certainly couldn't pick the shorter acronym. It's WFTDA. And we in the roller derby community call it WFTA or WFTDA or they can't even decide how to call it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. So I always say WFTDA. Or I say Women's Flat Track Derby Association because they don't understand what it is when they see it. Like, what the fuck is WFTDA? Like, what is WFTDA? Like, and and you know what I don't say? I don't say WCR because WCR for me is Windy City Rollers. It could be Water City Rollers. It could be, you know, Winchester, Worcester City. It could be so many different things. Just like explain what it is, right? And it's the same thing with like nicknames and things like that. And so I just always have asked people every time I do roller derby commentary, there's, um, and this is a mildly inappropriate name, but some roller derby is very blue, like with the humor. So there's Amanda is her first name and Jamadinya is her last name. So what do I call her when it's a very kid-friendly you know, like, what do I call her? Do I call her Amanda? No, she doesn't ever, she goes by AJ. So I only say Amanda Jamadinia once and her number is nine inches. So I just call her number nine, mm-hmm. you know? So I call her AJ or number nine, depending on the market or if it's a high level tournament, we call her AJ or number nine. I don't call her nine inches. If it's a more like roller con where it's in Las Vegas and it's a more kid, 21 and over, then I could call her nine inches or whatever, whatever, you know, you have to know your audience. Yeah. So I, every time I'm at a roller derby tournament, I say, Hey, uh, Brian. So what do you want me to call you on commentary? Do you want me to call you Brian? Do you want me to call you Bri? Like, what's your nickname that you go by? So I can call you that. So you prefer that. Like, if you call me Valerie, 
<laughs> That's the end of our friendship. Let me tell you right now. Like, I love that song by Steve Winwood. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. And every Wednesday, I like legit call it Wednesday. And I listen to like a block of Steve Winwood every Wednesday because I'm such a dweeb. And I love the song by Amy Winehouse because Valerie, it's such a good song. But my name ain't Valerie. It's Valfonts after Alphonse. So don't freaking call me Valerie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to call me Valfonts, that's fine. So I always just, I'm so used to asking people what they want me to call them. So why wouldn't I just ask your pronouns? It doesn't hurt. Yeah. Just ask. It's no big deal. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, Lord. This has been a whole lot of fun. We're running up on, on time here a little bit, unfortunately. And we oh, didn't yeah, get sorry, to like, oh, no, 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 no. You're fine. Like, I, just, I feel bad because, like I said, there's so much about your background that is so interesting to kind of explore and learn about. Like, we hardly even touched roller derby. We hardly even like touched uh, your, your Cubs fandom because obviously that is a, a, a huge thing for you as well. Yep. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so that just means we'll have to bring you back on again uh that, oh, that's just how that works hopefully i'll stop glitching and my uh stories will be less tangential and more targeted sorry <laughs> no you're totally fine um last question for you because obviously you listen to the show you know i like to end on a on a fun one when when yeah. possible i'm curious how did you I, I read somewhere that you got permission from the Capone family <laughs> to use that surname. I did. I have to ask, how does that even happen? <laughs> okay. So short, uh, long story short is I am very much into history and all things Chicago history in particular. I am not a man. I am not a South Sider, and I am not Italian because I'm not from Italy. And uh, I just wanted to pick the most Chicago name possible when I picked my roller derby name. So the most Chicago name you could think of other than maybe Michael Jordan is Capone. So I went with it. And I was at, I heard about a book signing from his great grandniece. And I have an infinite library. I'll take a picture of it at some point and send it to you, Brian, um, of Chicago history. Like, you're going to be like, whoa, dude. And I went to this book signing with a friend of mine and he was like, so you're going to tell her, so you're going to tell her. I was like, short off. And she's like, I'm sorry, what are you going to tell me? And uh, I was like, oh, nothing. It's so nice to meet you. And he's like, I think you should tell her. And my sleeve was rolled up because, you know, unless their long sleeves are wrong. And it, I, you typically go sleeveless as, as noted by all my t-shirts are missing sleeves and my tattoo is semi-visible now on my forearm i have a windy city rollers logo which is a skull and crossbones with uh the crossbones have skate wheels instead of bone nubs at the end so it's very distinct and if you are familiar with this logo you know exactly what it is it's very very distinct okay and she saw the logo and she said you're val capone and i (laughs) immediately thought I was going to plot my pants and I, which even if you don't speak Yiddish, you probably know what that means. And I was like, um, I, um, I, I, yes, yes, I am. And she was like, she takes my hand like from across the table and just looks me dead in the eye. And I'm like, holy shnikes, holy shnikes. This is when I end up dead. 
this is how I go out. And she looks at me and she goes, the family appreciates you putting a positive spin on the family name. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna, wait, what? And she's like, no, seriously, thank you. We've seen for years, all the work you've done, all the charity work you and the Windy City Rollers have done. We've been following you for years. And I was like, <gasps> <laughs> and she's like, and, and then my friend who was with me was like, you, you want, I should give her my trading card of yours. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> so she signed it to Val Capone. Uncle Al would be proud. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then she asked me to sign my trading card. Cause I have, you know, like we had trading cards for roller derby. So I signed it and then she sent me and I haven't talked to her in years, but she sent me a picture. She framed my freaking trading card and put it next to a picture of her and Al Cone on her mantle. Wow. The end. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you're not dead yet. But it's yeah. also amazing to see like this family that is so entrenched in the history of your city has embraced you in that way to the point that you are on a mantle next yeah. to the Capone family. She used to come to games back in the day, but I, unfortunately we lost touch and um, I sent an email to the email and it got returned. So I mm. don't know if she's with us still. I don't know if she just doesn't, cause it was like an AOL email. <laughs> so yeah. But like, I don't want to, I mean, she's a published author, so I'm sure I could look her up through her publisher, but like, especially with COVID, like, I just, I don't know what happened, but yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's fucking wild. Yeah. My life is bonkers, bizarro, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we'll, we'll definitely have to get more into some of that, that bonkers, bizarro next time you're on the show. Cause there's going to yeah. be a next time. Like I okay. said, this has been too much fun. I really enjoyed oh, this. Thanks, buddy. Of course. Let it's everybody know where they can find you online. Oh yeah. Um, so I hate the internet, but I'm one of the really weird individuals that loves Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> there's always um, one. Yeah, I am the one, uh, I am the middle finger to the internet. Um, but at Val Capone, it's super simple. Yeah. And then, um, from there you could find my dorky Instagram. It's at Val fonts, not Valerie, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this has been so much fun. Sorry. I was rambling, but you know, that's how my brain works and I haven't eaten food yet. It's like, you don't ever have to apologize for rambling or tangents. That's like half of this podcast. You've I listened know, to it. it. I know. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I just need to let you know that I told them, I, I told Brian that like, whenever I have a bad day and I just need like a pick me up, I do listen to LGBT in the ring and it makes me feel good because not only is it promoting the queer talent that I love dearly, but it's just like, for a lack of better terms, it's a good vibe and it's a good feeling knowing that there's good people out there doing what they love and sharing the joy. And with the way this fucking stupid planet has been lately and the wretched humans that sometimes live on it. It's just nice to know that there's good people out there doing good stuff for each other, with each other and because of each other. And like, it's really important to me that you do this work, Brian. Thank you so much. And yeah, like it's so dorky, but I really appreciate having 
this conversation with you. And I've been having a rough time lately because of the recent events of the world and our country that's lost. So without totally crying, because I'm a hyper emotional mess lately, thank you very much. Oh, thank you for, for coming on. And trust me, like dorkiness is always welcome here. Yeah, it means oh, a lot yes. to me. That you, and it's like really fun getting to talk to you. And yeah. Thanks for letting me do this at work. Sorry for all the noises at the bar. <laughs> and, but you get to see all the Christmas lights and stuff at my bar and my sweet Iron Maiden shirt that it's actually a Capone tribute. <laughs> it just keeps folding on itself. I love I know. it. <laughs> I'm like a walking comic book, I swear. Oy vey. Lord. Well, thank you, Val. Thank you, Brian. Thank you once again to Val, and a special thank you to Devin, Ally Devin, in the background setting up the bar while we were chatting about wrestling and queer issues and all other amounts of things. I can't thank Val enough. Uh, that was a whole lot of fun. Um, definitely uh, keep tabs on her on social media. Um, she is a, a great addition to the pro wrestling world, and I, you know, I told her this during the interview, but I, I, I love her approach to pronoun usage on commentary. It's just, I love it. Her and Veda, I think, are the two best when it comes to that right now. And there's a reason why they keep popping up on so many shows. They're just that damn good. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for us this week here on the show. Uh, definitely come back next week. We will have another fun guest. We're entering into another uh, uh, time frame where there are a lot of shows that speak to the mission of this show that are coming up. And maybe we have guests that are related to those shows that are going to be coming on the show in the next few weeks. Who knows? Um, I don't, you know, you know the show. I don't like announcing guests prior to the week that they're on, but um, I'll, you got the teaser out of me. All right, you got the teaser out of me. Um, make sure to pick up tickets for Cascadia, brainbusterticks.com slash Cascadia. Go to brainbustertees.com and search LGBT in the ring to, to get uh, the LGBT in the ring merch that is available as well. If you want shirts that we had available at Pride and Vibe Weekend, I still got some left, varying sizes. Hit up the DMs at LGBT Ring Pod on Twitter and Instagram or at Wonderboy OTM on Twitter and Instagram, and we can get that working for you. I got some stickers there too. Pretty cool. Um, but yeah, wow. I just ripped off a sh that, that whole spiel. That just came out. I'll get used to it eventually, I think. But for now, I'm going to be amazed at myself for a minute. <laughs> anyway, um, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, but and until uh, we meet again, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. And I honestly cannot wait to see Max the Impaler go to Tokyo Joshi Pro and just ruin Japan. <laughs> Bye. Everybody's ready to die. They didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge. She made a deal with the